Hello, welcome to another episode of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. This is Kyle Bird. Not with me is my co-host, Matt Parmley. He is, uh, if you, well, if you listened to our last episode, you may may have noticed uh, he uh, uh, was talking about how he's working like 60-hour work weeks right now. Um, add that to uh, raising two very young children um, and uh, very little time for sleep. He's had even less time to watch movies, allegedly. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, Matt is not with us. However, he is alive and well. Uh, there have been sightings of Matt on the uh, faraway planet of Dagobah, where he is in a self-imposed exile. Um I cannot confirm or deny this, but uh, he is fine. He'll be, he'll be back at some point. Um, uh, but yes, he is on sabbatical right now. But uh, you know, we we ha- we got uh, a show to do. The show must go on. So I am joined by our two most frequent guest hosts. Uh, I have Tom. What's up? And also, you should also just say Matt, you know, is feeling the combined stress of everything you said plus uh, existence, 2020 as a whole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, aren't we all? Um, and then, uh, well, to my virtual other side of me is Kevin. Oh man, just hearing about Matt's schedule is making me sleepy. <laughs> um, so this was supposed to be an October episode, but because of many uh, delays, um, many uh, having to do with, like I said, Matt's insane schedule, um, it is not an October episode. So uh, this is our, I guess, uh, early November, this is our, our Halloween hangover episode i'm not over halloween i don't know if you guys are did you guys have a good halloween halloweens it's it's 361 days until halloween silver shamrock right (laughs) (laughs) i had a good time on halloween you know what though is so we we did go uh brave the universe and and we went trick-or-treating um although you know i i live in a I live in a suburb, and you know it's very easy to adhere to social distancing. Like we just went, my little two kids, me, and my wife, right, and just walked around the neighborhood. Um, and most people actually had like a table set up, and even if they were, you know, handing out candy, as in just kind of socializing they would be like sitting in their doorway and they'd have a table set up at the end of their driveway and they would just be like oh yeah (laughs) yeah we we went out and Um, it was basically the same a lot of people just had bowls sometimes they weren't even out they just like have a bowl on the driveway and it'd say like take one or take two and i saw a a few people had those little shoots like mm -hmm. where you like put the candy down a tube yeah oh i kids liked those like they thought it was so fun yeah 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 um and then but but i will say if i was if i was my kids i'd be pumped with the candy but i'm disappointed at like the lack of variety i see a ton of twix 
Kit Kats, like good candy, right? But man, where's like the I don't you know what I don't see any uh bottle caps? Do you guys remember <laughs> bottle caps? Yeah, I <laughs> Where do you even get those anymore? I don't know, but I didn't see them in in, in my kid my kids filled up a, a wagon with candy. And I don't see any bottle caps in there. And um, I only used to see those on Halloween. Um, no 100 grand bars. What else? There's a, there's a couple others that I was like, man, like, I used to look forward to Halloween just to have those because it was like the only time I ever saw them anywhere. <laughs> yeah. We had quite a few houses give out, like, a ba- bags of chips. Hmm. Um, we were we were a cool house this year. We gave out full size Reese's. There you go, there you go. But yeah, yeah, it was you fun. We just, you know have the you know stuff for the kids with a gluten sensitivities <laughs> or allergies or whatever. Yeah, so. man, you can trade a full size Reese's for whatever you want. <laughs> That's how that works. Um, but yeah, after we went trick or treating. Um, <clears throat> We uh, we left the little one with the grandparents, and then we saw Evil Dead one and two at the drive-in, which was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, that that was Halloween. And then, um, yeah, Kevin, did you get any any uh, any? Do you get trick or treaters? <laughs> Normally, we do uh, around here in Princeton, but um, this year uh, there was there was no nobody. Um, you know, normally the condo association has, you know, flyers up that sort of say what the procedure is. And mm-hmm. I guess they just didn't want to deal with it this year. So we we got a big bowl for the trick-or-treaters, uh, really, honest. Um, but, you know, it would be a shame to let those M&Ms go to waste. So here I am eating them. <laughs> uh, we didn't get as many as we usually get. And that was kind of weird, too, because... This was by far the best weather we've had on Halloween in six years, at least. It's a full moon. You get an extra hour of Halloween. Yeah. You know, we last year it was it was quite cold. I walked around in my costume freezing, um, and then like the three years in a row before that, it rained. And then the year before that, so this is this would be that you know why it hasn't been nice in six years. The year before that, it was like ninety six degrees on Halloween, um, and anyone who wore a costume that was you know more than uh, slutty nurse was was like sweating to death. <laughs> and but you know I, I I get it too. It's just it's just boy we had such a nice night for it and to not have it be like our biggest one was kind of kind of disappointing but it was a good halloween overall yeah halloween was was good this year um uh so if anyone uh hasn't noticed by the title uh we're we're talking about ruhe kitamura uh horror films um specifically the japanese ones um, on the one hand, it's sort of unfortunate we didn't do this last week. Uh, Kevin pointed out that our original recording date for this was the 20th anniversary of Versus. On the other hand, I am happy that we're doing it this week because uh, it is, right now, the day after 
what is normally election night, and uh, after just being tuned in for 48 hours of uncertainty and, oh, this... this is le- this one's leading here. Oh, this one's leading here. Uh, this one's be- lead is beating beating the other one, and all all this back and forth, and still a whole bunch of uncertainty. Uh, and we probably won't even have some of the states called until what Friday. Um, I I I am glad we're doing the. This is a good reprieve from everything going on right now and uh, the world being on fire outside. So. Um, yeah. So, so wait, you said that we, we should spare ourselves talking about uncertainty and false starts by discussing the filmography of Ryohei Kitamura. <laughs> well, it's got a lot of those, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we, we can uh, uh, get right into it. Um, I think we got a lot of our, you know, the, the, the general small talks out of the way and... Um, so let's dig in. Well, there's a couple reasons I wanted to do this. First of all, um, uh, one of the reasons is I, it, you know, people have made Godzilla movies or kaiju movies. I always like to try and like look at some of the other movies they might have made, um, and uh, a lot of them fall into horror. You know, we've talked about Kaneko's horror films and Haraguchi's horror films, and you know the the mutant trilogy and and all those things. And the other reason is I, I really do think it's time that, uh, I guess, not, not not even necessarily the film Final Wars itself, but the man, Ruhei Kitamura, I think he he deserves a bone from somewhere in this fandom, um, just because of what Final Wars is and maybe isn't, I think that he he's never really gotten a fair shake from a lot of people, um... And uh, I, I feel like someone has to kind of, kind of, you know, maybe dispense with with a lot of the the kind of hatred that that he he Wanted seems to get to this day. Against Godzilla, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because he there, he really does have a reputation that is strange uh, in a lot of parts of the Godzilla fandom. Where even to this day, a lot of things about him get said that I I really don't think are necessarily true, and there's really no substantial evidence to back it up. You know, uh, a lot of this may or may not. Uh, I'm not going to name names, uh, but some of this may or may not have been perpetuated by a certain, um, I guess, uh, person of note in the fandom who who happened to have. Uh, a lot of exposure at the time that Final Wars came out, um, and uh, what basically what had happened is well, there's two a couple things um, when Final in the press cycle for Final Wars, you know, people asking Kitamura about Godzilla and him saying things like you know he's not a hardcore fan, he likes the original movie and his favorites are really the ones from the '70s. And he said multiple times, you know, really nothing after the 80s has been interesting to me. Um, and so that got... I mean, this is still only, what, six years or so after Godzilla 98? So, I mean, that's it. The, the, you know, people are still recovering from, you know, Emmerich and Devlin and, you know, them saying 
oh, you know, Godzilla's stupid and all this stuff. So people are were still really kind of overly defensive of, of the property. And so they didn't take much kind to that. because yeah, that's changed a lot over the last <laughs> 16 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I think we still get that, you know. I think this fandom has kind of suffered from PTSD in that, you know, when a new director is announced, the first thing they want to know is, like, are they Godzilla fans? Are they Godzilla fans? And What's your favorite Godzilla movie? Right, yeah. And, and I mean, we, we've had instances where fans have... You know, you've had someone like Kaneko who would make something like GMK, and then you've had stuff like Doherty making King of the Monsters, or, you know, someone like Omori who really didn't give a shit about Godzilla since he was like the age of 13 making Biolanti, one of the best in the series. So, I mean, it's really not the right way to judge something like that, in my opinion. Um, and then the other thing that he said that happened to 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 raise the ire of uh this individual and a lot of his uh uh i guess colleagues it was kitamura saying that he isn't very f- he's, he's not very fond of japanese film like he said he likes kurosawa he like like he likes the same japanese movies everyone likes but in general he was like you know I, i'm much more a fan of american cinema Australian cinema, and he went to film school in Australia, so that probably has something to do with it. Um, and he said, you know, you know, his biggest influences are guys like Sam Raimi, James Cameron, George Miller, you know. And that's when it was like, oh, he doesn't even like Japanese cinema. He's just a, you know, a, a Hollywood wannabe, this and that, and you know, and then then that sprung into this whole like he has contempt for Godzilla and Godzilla fans. He hates Godzilla. He doesn't even like Godzilla. And um, you still see people, even like some people, like friends of mine that in my opinion should probably know better are still saying stuff like that. Like, but, but then like you look at anything, like, you know, you follow him on social media, you read any interviews with him, and he's always said positive things about Godzilla and the people that made Godzilla. Um, I think a year or two ago, Brett Hominick did an interview with him where he 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 came off as very excitable in in talking about Godzilla, and you know uh, he was talking about just how how starstruck he was to be working with Kumi Mizuno and Kenji Sahara and Akira Takarada, and the whole reason he 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 said the whole reason that uh, he did that scene where Kumi Mizuno gets shot was because he was talking to her and she said she never had a squib, like you know, to get shot, and he was like, "You've never been squibbed? Oh, we need to shoot you." So like. <laughs> like that's like he 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 was genuinely enthusiastic, and even when it came down to like talking about the monsters, he was like, "I needed Minya in the movie because I love Minya." And then when it came to some other ones, he was like, "Yeah, I don't really remember why I chose Abira. I just remember like at the time, I was really insistent on it, and like looking back, I don't even remember why." And like that's kind of funny, but. But I, I mean, it's clear that the the stuff that the Godzilla stuff that he likes, he does like, and so this whole like he he, he has contempt for Godzilla, just it's stuff that still gets said a lot and still rubs me the wrong way, and I knew and and I don't know how do you guys feel about that? I it's it just it's so annoying to me because 
there's never anything that anyone can bring out, no quotes or anything, about how he supposedly hates Godzilla and made a bad movie I, on purpose. Like, there's all these theories that there's no, there's nothing behind. I don't see how you watch a Godzilla movie that has callbacks to everything from, like, Gorath to, like, 100 shot, 100 killed, and then be like, yeah, this guy probably doesn't watch movies. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's and you know it's it was something that I wouldn't say I always thought that or anything, but like I definitely could see how he made a Godzilla movie more for himself and less about being a 50th anniversary celebratory lap around the block or whatever that that people were expecting and and how that kind of got twisted and everything. But like then I, I did read that interview. Uh, the one you just mentioned, Burden, and that is like a really good interview with him. And he's, you know, it's funny because um, we think of Kitamura now as uh, this guy who's come to Hollywood and he's had a, a moderate amount of success and he's done one really damn good movie um, here in America with the Midnight Meat Train and a couple other kind of solid ones. Um, and, um, you know, we think of like, oh, he's to he totally distanced himself from that movie and he doesn't even talk about it. It was just like a work for hire thing for him. And then he gets talking about it and he is he's he's excited to talk. He seems excited to talk about that movie and he's very um, he stands behind it, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's, you know, you might hate the movie and, and that's fine. That's your opinion. But to act like he just did this thing and, and threw it out there as like an F you and and you know, didn't even care about it. He he likes that movie. And, you know, he he often says things like it's one of the more kind of like fun and memorable ones that he remembers working on from his time making movies in Japan. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's overblown. And I mean, you know, you talk about someone that didn't like Godzilla movies. I mean, June Fukuda always <laughs> says that like every Every Godzilla movie, except for the original, including his own, were unwatchable trash that should never have been made. Like, I mean, that's someone who had nothing but contempt for Godzilla. And <laughs> right, still yeah. Made, still made movies that the, the people who, who shit all over Final Wars and Kitamura absolutely adore. So, like... Well, one of those people is Kitamura. I, I think that... He's made it abundantly clear that you know it's it's the Fukuda movies are the ones that like are are his bread and butter, and I you can tell you know you can see that in in Final Wars. I think he makes a movie where Minya starts off person sized and grows big. I mean that's <laughs> he he basically did a callback to Godzilla's Revenge. Um, I, I think some of the contempt also comes from. People have certain preconceptions, I think, when you're dealing with the franchise, that part of the part of the fun of the franchise is you go to different iterations. And I found what is tremendously helpful is when Shin Godzilla gets announced, you go and you watch a bunch of Anno movies. When the anime gets announced, you go look at what Urobuchi has previously written, and it gives you kind of a frame of of reference going in of like okay so this is going to be godzilla but like this if you don't have that frame of reference 
you get blindsided. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people were blindsided by Final Wars because they were not expecting, you know, uh, people to be doing kung fu on motorcycles. But if you've been paying attention to Kitamura's filmography, it's the most natural thing in the world. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And why not have a Godzilla movie? Not to get too into Final Wars, but why not have a Godzilla movie that's a Matrix movie? Like, you know, I mean, it's a franchise with 35 goddamn movies. Make one that's a Matrix ripoff. Who cares? Like, yeah. Well, it's... (laughs) For, for a franchise that nobody seems to care when it rips off Planet of the Apes or the Terminator or Indiana Jones, it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is stuff that I was saying back when it came out, but but yeah, just I, I, I just wanted to get it out of the way that I really, there's no evidence that this guy had some sort of contempt for Godzilla just because he doesn't like all the movies just because he, he he likes the seventies stuff and not the nineties or two thousands stuff, like that doesn't mean that he hates Godzilla and wanted and wants to make a bad movie or anything like that. I mean, Final Wars is a lot of things. I it's intentionally and unintentionally bad at times, and it is what it is. But I I don't think there's any reason to to say that it was coming from some weird place of malice like the '98 movie was. I and uh, you know I, I it just felt like someone should say that because it doesn't get said enough. And uh, his favorite kaiju is King Caesar. Like, <laughs> and he's he's said that I think in the in the Hominick interview. Like, I mean, just. It's it's pretty clear that this guy, yeah, like he 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 has a favorite, you know. Like, I mean, if you asked Emmerich who his favorite kaiju was, he'd be like, "What the what the hell is a kaiju?" You know, like <laughs> th- there's a pretty clear delineation. And and if you asked Jun Fukuda, he'd be like, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, the. Yeah, kid, and another thing you got to remember um, with, with Kitamura is like he, like he had, yeah, he has a favorite movie, favorite kaiju, um, but uh, but yeah, like I like uh, he sh- like he posts Godzilla stuff all the time on Instagram, like constantly. So like, yeah, I I I don't think it was out of any hatred for for Godzilla and and I know it was a rough shoot because it was like they had more money their the filming schedule wasn't uh that much different from what is usual um and I know it was a rough shoot you know I remember at the time, uh, around the movie, the time the movie came out, hearing, and I, and this I do believe, like, hearing that the people at Toho were kind of like, you know, viewing the, the edits, like, they were kind of like shocked at just what the movie was turning out to be like, and, you know, certain people behind the scenes saying that, um, you know, they really weren't comfortable with some some of the decisions he made or his the way that he his style or the way he was doing certain things like i that i can i can believe but that he himself did all this out of some intentional like uh, like sabotage thing uh or or that he hates godzilla i think is just ridiculous 
There's a level of irreverence that you see throughout a lot of his filmography, and I think that's just kind of part of the package. Oh, yeah. Uh, a tongue-in-cheekness that, um, you know, it's it's not going to be super somber and grounded, necessarily. Yeah, there's but. not going to be, like, all these... There's not going to be these themes and subtext to read into. Like, a lot of weird things are going to happen just because they're weird. Um, like... Uh, and, frankly, his movies that try to be a little more self-serious are... Uh, I, again, with this one exception being Midnight Meat Train, um, I think his movies that try to be more self-serious are his less successful ones. Yeah, you know when um, uh, when Kitamura like blew up, uh, like Versus was two thousand, and that was uh, you know a movie that gained an almost instant cult following both here and in Japan, you know, that, that was still when everyone was saying like any, any new director that was hip was getting compared to Tarantino. So I remember, Oh, he's the Japanese Tarantino. Mike is the Japanese Tarantino. This guy's a Japanese Tarantino. And it's like, okay, there is no Japanese Tarantino. Tarantino's Tarantino. But my point is, uh, you know who Kitamura reminds me of in terms of Western directors, who he reminds me of more than Tarantino, more than anybody is I really feel like he's like a Japanese Robert Rodriguez, for better and worse. <laughs> but I, f- I feel he has a way more of Rodriguez in him than Tarantino. Does that does that I track with? That. Did, does that track with you guys at all? Yeah, uh, I mean he's he's got that. He, he's got a, a, a versatility to him that you know. Granted, you see that in in a couple of other directors like Mike, who's can go back and forth between like the family films and the like super violent splattery stuff. But um, I, I feel a similar kind of vibe going with Kitamura's work. Yeah, and and like Rodriguez, like you you look at a Rodriguez movie and like stupid things happen that make no sense just because like he thinks it's cool, like. Rose McGowan's machine gun leg in Planet Terror, or, like, in Desperado when, you know, some people get shot with a pistol and they go, like, flying through a window. Like, that's stuff that feels like stuff that Kitamura would do. Yeah, and, and like Rodriguez, I think Kitamura is is at his best when he's balancing trying to tell a somewhat serious story while allowing his just you know, kind of fuck it attitude to just shine through, you know, like he's not at his best when he's trying to be very, very, um, uh, over the top and self-aware and tongue in cheek. And he's not at his best when he's trying to be very straight laced and serious. He's best when he's like mixing the two together and giving you some kind of unique experience. Yeah, and I also think, like Rodriguez, it's one of those things where, like, almost, like, the sm- the, the less money he has to make something, like, the better it is, almost, <laughs> you know? I feel like, I feel like, yeah. I feel like just the, when he doesn't have much money is when, like, a, a lot of, a lot more ingenuity and creativity comes out. Um, like a uh, M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, I, I it just felt like someone had to stick up for this guy, and and so yeah, I wanted to do this to kind of, 
I guess I guess try to redeem him a little bit and maybe get some people on board with some of the other things that he might have done. Um, I will say, I mean, we're we're sticking to some, to Japanese films here, um, but yeah, he has quite a few mainstream American movies which have been like hit or miss. But but I, we mentioned a couple times. I, I I really do think the one that it's probably his best movie, my favorite one, of, probably my favorite Kitamura movie. Um, and maybe after like Hellraiser one and two and Candyman, probably the best Clive Barker movie is Midnight Meat Train. Like, I I would recommend everyone go watch Midnight Meat Train. That's a movie that still like seems to get kind of mixed reactions from people, and I kind of get why. But I definitely think it's worth it's worth checking out for everybody. Uh, even uh, even Bradley Cooper, who wasn't like a superstar when he made that movie, he still talks says that's one of the, his favorite movies that he's done. You know, after you know all this high profile stuff. So yeah, definitely check out Midnight Meat Train. Kevin, you a Midnight Meat Train uh, guy? Yeah, I I went out of my way to see it in a dollar theater. So did I. I went to one in like. Geez, I don't even remember what town it was, but it was basically in the middle of, like, the ghetto. And, like, there were people smoking <laughs> in the theater. I mean, constant talking and comments. It was pretty insane. I just blind bought it on Blue. I remember that. Um... And yeah, then he's done some. He did that WWE movie, uh, No One Lives, which is not bad. I actually, I watched it. I didn't see that one. It's not terrible. It, it's probably one of the better WWE movies, honestly. Hmm. I mean, it's not good, and that's you know, it's it's that it's it's you know, got some Kitamura moments and some Kitamura logic. It's a little light on his his more specific style, and I don't even mean like the 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 matrixiness of it all is just light on general directorial style but like i mean luke evans at one point sneaks himself into a place naked inside the body of another person uh and then in the next like shot he's in he's completely clean and wearing a leather trench coat just just because <laughs> um so like there's there's some there's some fun stuff in it, and I mean, overall, it, there's enough in it to pull you through. Um, I did I see it a three out of five; like it was fine. I watched Downrange, which was okay. Yeah, that's another one. I give it like a three out of five. And then, Kevin, did you watch The Doorman? Yeah, that was that was a bit of a letdown. That's what I keep hearing. I hear it's just like a generic straight to video action movie. There's there's not a lot of the kineticism that you would kind of expect from from him and, and, and not the not the sort of zany characterization either. So it's it's just kind of eh, it, it it exists. It's it's what you would expect from a direct to video action movie that isn't by anybody that you're particularly familiar with. It does have Jean Renault who he tried to get into Final Wars but they couldn't afford him. <laughs> well, he w- he was saying he wanted to get like hit the guy from the American Godzilla and you know Akira Takarada in the in 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 like a scene together because I guess he was saying in Japan when the '98 movie came out, Takarada did some press event with Jean Reno or something, and 
he was like, oh, I, I should try and get them together, but he, he couldn't because money. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. Did anyone I, else see his Nightmare Cinema segment? I saw it. I never saw Nightmare Cinema. You know, uh, Nightmare Cinema was released as Masters of Horror in Japan. I think that's confusing. <laughs> that uh, is... His segment in it is... It's something. <laughs> um, it's more It's more fun than than Downrange uh, or, or apparently The Doorman. It's, it's more over the top than, than those two. It's just... It's pretty obvious it was made for about 35 cents. Yeah. I think a lot of that kit was uh I think a lot of that was out of pocket money too, like Um but yeah, so I guess we have three movies we're going to talk about and then there's a few shorts that we're probably going to talk about just briefly. Um but Kitamura uh comes on to well, I guess he had a short film before Down to Hell, um, Heat After Dark, which I've never seen. It's online. Um, that, I, I thought that Heat After Dark was after Down to Hell. Well, that's first. Yeah, that's 96. Down to Hell's 97. Okay, because I'm seeing Heat After Dark is 99 here, but maybe that's a release date. Could be. Um and down to hell, I mean, I I don't know. There's not too much to talk about, but we should talk about it since it's kind of, in a way, the Versus is a sort of sequel to it. But It's basically proto-Versus. Yeah, it's, um, it's what, about 40, 50 minutes, and it's uh, like these gangsters, um, they, they bury bodies in, in, uh, in the woods, and then uh, they... The, they they take a guy there to bury him and he comes back to life as a zombie and and kills them all um it's weird it's not on any of the home video releases of versus including the upcoming arrow disc but i i mean if you it's on you kitamura has a youtube channel where he uh up, he a lot of his early japanese stuff is on there and like the 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 copy on there just looks horrible like it but I, I'm wondering if that's just how it looks. Like, I don't know how much money that costs, but probably not much. And it's like, it's like, it's like '90s camcorder. Like, it just it looks horrible. So I wonder if it just doesn't look good enough to release. Um. But yeah, Down to Hell is one of those things where like, I don't know. It's okay, kind of for what it is, but it, 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 it's obvious that you know. He would do it's a butter with film. Yeah, it's basically a student film. Yeah. Oh, it's it. I mean, that's the description that he, he or his publicist or whoever's posting these to YouTube gives it. It's, it's this is Kitamura's second student short film that served as the precursor to Versus. That's that's straight from his own YouTube page. Okay, because it it does have that student film like feel to it. Still, I, I think the best thing about the the short is um, the the soundtrack by Nobuhiko Morino, who mm-hmm. um, you know 
basically went on to work with Kitamura for subsequent movies. And he, both of them are, are among the, uh, the the thugs that are, you know, kidnapping the guy in the short. So it's, it's you know, very much a, like, made-by-five-people movie. But, you know, of, of those five people or whatever, three of them went on to have very major careers, so that's something. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is where, like, you can really tell, like... And this carries into verses also. You, you can tell, like, you can see the Sam Raimi influence in like the camera work and stuff like that. Well, it's a it's a zombie thing, and it's it's important to remember that like because Japanese zombies are everywhere now, but in 1997, um, you know, the the video games uh, House of the Dead and Biohazard had just come out, but movies wise, it was not being done very much at yeah. all. There were. Even here, even here, the the zombie like renaissance didn't really start until like the twenty eight days Resident later. Evil. Yeah, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, yeah, Resident Evil. Like the yeah, and that's the early two. That's just a smidge after Versus, right? It's like yeah. it's like three to five years later. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, Which that is, is important. Honest, it, it's. That's like when. That's like when I learned about versus because I I feel like I saw I saw it for the first time when when I was in college. Yeah, I probably saw versus around t- it was probably two thousand five ish, maybe. Yeah, but I'd known about it for a while before that. And and this so so down to hell it? predates all that. So you guys saw it after Final Wars? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was I was an early adopter then. Yeah. It was very shortly after, but it was after. Yeah, it was it was I, I actually picked it up and, and Sakuya uh from the same bootlegger um at the same time. So I think it was yeah, it would have been in two thousand one, I remember. Um Okay, yeah. Based on, That's based on the person I, I was dating at the time, so <laughs> I might have seen it I might have seen it and understood it, uh, meaning I saw it with subtitles, not that you really, really need them for a movie like Versus. Uh, um but I might have might have seen it with subtitles before I saw Final Wars with subtitles. Cause there was just that bootleg of Final Wars that circulated for kind of a while. Yeah, I never watched that. I the first time I saw Final Wars was summer of '05 at at G Fest that year, and then it was probably shortly after that that I was perusing a media play and I saw Verses and I bought it. I'm probably slightly flipped from you on that in terms of just when I saw it and everything. Um, Versus has such a striking cover of of that image that's that chiaroscuro like white background silhouette of a guy holding a sword and a gun like i don't know how you look at that and don't think like this looks excellent i must buy this well yeah the 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 katana and the the pistol (laughs) together is a really interesting and like contrasting image it's yeah no that's a great cover a great poster whatever um but yeah, I guess I mean I don't know. There's not too much to say about Down to Hell, so I think we should just get into verses, which is 2000. Um, 
Down, down to Hell, I would just say if you're a big Kitamura fan and you haven't seen it, it's interesting to take a look at and kind of see where like the genesis of, of him as a filmmaker and the ideas for Versus came from, but I, I wouldn't really recommend it outside of that. So, like, I I gave it a, a three, but it's really probably more like a two, but I gave it the bump for being, like, just... I mean, it's all heart, right? It's yeah. all passion and, 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 and trying. So... Yeah. I think it's interesting, like, stepping stone between the 90s Japanese horror that tended to be very sort of curse-based and sort of, like, people do something and then a ghost comes and punishes them for their misdeeds and the sort of 2000s onward like gonzo splatter let's be as crazy as possible japanese horror stuff that yeah goes yeah on. um yeah no i think that's i think that's a pretty good assessment um versus was made with i mean we're still in very low budget territory um but uh, Kitamura basically did it the old school way of borrowing money uh, from from people, and he got together about ten thousand bucks, went into the woods, and made basically a sort of sequel to Down to Hell. Um, yeah, the production name was Down to Hell with a number two in the middle. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, versus is the story of. Uh, so the woods that we talked about in Down to Hell is one of several places on Earth that has a portal to to Hell, or and and it's it's a forest of resurrection that can bring people back from the dead, um, and so uh, we have prisoner KSC two three o three, which. Uh, no one's gonna call him. No one. Why? Like, why give him a name like that? Anyway, <laughs> um, and uh, him and another prisoner escape, and they meet up with a gang of yakuza in the forest. Um, and uh, the gang has also kidnapped a girl for reasons that they don't know. Um, and they went um, to to arrive at this meetup point. Um, and uh, they don't really know much about, neither side knows much about the other. Um, and then, yeah, I guess there's a few twists and turns that maybe we can talk about a little bit more. Um, but yes, eventually it turns out that all of these gangsters and stuff that are being killed are being brought back as zombies. And the Yakuza leader um, kind of, like, has them try to take out the prisoner, which is played by Tak Sakaguchi. Um, and then later we, we, we get into some things involving reincarnation and, and uh, like, uh, like, satanic rituals, I guess you could call them. Um, uh, and I guess that's where I'll leave it, and and we'll kind of talk about the rest in our in our overall discussion. But uh, so the first thing that people are probably going to notice about verses is that it's like 
at least three or four different genres. You know, it's a, a horror zombie film, it's a gangster movie, it's an action movie, um, there's a good deal of fantasy involved, and it's kind of all this stuff put into a blender and just kind of like spat out at the screen. Um, and with with very little money, uh, I think, with with what they were able to do, I think is pretty impressive. I think that's the first takeaway that anyone watching Versus would probably have. Agreed. Um, yeah, and it and it well it and it, it also seems to it clashes these like uh, I don't know period Japanese ideas with very modern. Um, action style sensibilities, which I think is why that poster works so well, because it's it's these two things that shouldn't mesh together, coming together, and I think pretty well. Um, but uh, but yeah, just overall, I think versus is a movie that there really probably hasn't been one that is quite as successful at doing what it does since. I think there's probably been a lot of imitators but i think versus is still one of the ones that probably does that kind of gonzo genre mashup uh the best and it's yeah, I, th- I think you really nailed it with the the idea of like it takes a lot of period japanese uh ideas or sensibilities um, you know, like like very kind of Ronin samurai type of type of stuff. Um, and you've got samurai swords and sword play aplenty in this movie, and mashes that with uh, gunplay and uh, and leather coats and and matrixy kind of stuff and zombies, and it, it manages to do it all kind of successfully and and it, it just feels so unique you know if you really if you are really into like samurai kind of sword and sandals types of movies but are curious to see what one would be really updated and, and taken out of you know the the meiji period or whatever uh you know I, i'm probably not right with my whatever period of time but i mean you know, out of out of that period of time and plopped into two thousand in in a lot of ways, that's that's what this is and that's what makes it so interesting. Um is it it's it's got a very Japanese flavor to it, but then it also brings in elements of, of things that were popular in 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 American filmmaking and uh Chinese <laughs> filmmaking at the time too, right? So it's it's uh it's like a successful blending of a lot of different ideas. Well, I, I think, you know, much like the Matrix, how you have people do kung fu and black trench coats be cool. The number one philosophy behind everything that's going on in verses is would this be cool? So, you know, somebody has a rocket launcher. Why? Because it's cool. <laughs> uh, somebody gets a, a 
face uh, punched out. Why? Because it's cool. You know, it's it's just everything has to be as stylish as possible uh, all the time. Yeah, that's even uh, basically how uh, Tak Sakaguchi gets his gets his outfit. Is he's wearing a prisoner's trench coat and like in one shot he's like talking and then in the next shot there's just a, a dead body that appears randomly in a tree behind him and he like just steals his clothes <laughs> because he and it's basically like oh this character would look cooler if he was wearing a, a black leather trench coat so now he is <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and another thing we mentioned this earlier uh it has that kind of tongue-in-cheek self-awareness that you would see in something like final wars um one of my favorite i guess jokes in it is uh like he he picks up the one guy's sunglasses and like he puts them on you think it's gonna be like oh now he's gonna look even cooler and then he decides like he doesn't like them so he doesn't keep them so like there's different things like that where the movie knows like it knows that when it does those things that it's being stupid and it but it it like is happy about it. Yeah, it's it's trying to be cool, as in that looks cool and that looks fun, not cool as in oh that's so bad. Yes, yeah. you know it's it's it isn't it's not taking itself seriously, but at the same time it 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 is you know like it, it's 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 taking itself. Uh, every place that this idea should go in a in a more serious kind of way, and you've got your kind of st- typical you know hero's journey and things like that. But um, it 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 it's got a a sense of humor about itself, you know, and that's that's always evident when you whenever you've got the two cops that are on screen, um, whether it's the one who's constantly looking for his hand <laughs> uh, that was cut off. Or uh, or the guy who's just like like everything that comes up, he's like, oh well, I'm an expert in in fingerprints or whatever, so I I was trained and I know exactly how to do that. Oh, I'm an ex- expert in forensic science. Like everything that comes up, whatever it is, you know, tracking people, whatever. He's, he's yeah, like those guys are awesome. There's a couple short films they made about <laughs> those guys that are pretty fun. Um. Those are on Kitamura's YouTube, also. But yeah, the, <laughs> I love those guys. I there, I could, I there should be more of those guys. But uh, they're 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 great, and both of them have really awesome deaths. Yeah, I guess along the the lines of them, just to like clarify, because one of the things I've noticed, uh, because I I show this to to every person that I meet, like some sort of. Um, rear hick hit a missionary or something um is that uh there's a scene when they're flagging down a a cop car and the guy the what the subtitle says is like how can i help you officer and the guy shoots him and says i'm not an officer uh that's specifically because the word that he uses is something akin to saying like patrolman and he's offended because like no i'm a detective like don't how dare you like that's the <laughs> thing that's going on there so yeah he, he guns down a civilian because he, <laughs> he doesn't like being compared to like the, the, the you know traffic cops or whatever um so then well i guess we can we can kind of get into a little bit more of the story the the one of the big i guess 
twists on the story is that uh, this is where a lot of the fa- more fantasy elements come in is that it turns out the Yakuza leader is uh, reincarnation of uh, what was he and like yeah priest and yeah, and Tex Ekaguchi is also re- a reincarnation of, I guess, the the hero or whatever that stopped him from, I guess, what, opening a, a portal, um, opening the portal in the forest, uh, and then the girl is a reincarnation of, um, I guess, the hero's, I don't know, maybe his girlfriend, or it's not really... S- Princess yeah, yeah, but it's her blood that he They're needs. Yeah, he needs to perform like a blood ritual with her to, to like help, I guess, gain the the power of darkness and 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 all this stuff. Um, which like that comes at a point so late. Uh, this is where this is where I do have a little bit of a criticism like that. I think that comes in really late in the movie. I think the movie in general maybe takes a little a little bit long to to kind of get going. Um but once the movie hits that point where all this stuff is revealed, that's when it like really starts to like just fire on all cylinders, I think. That's when the action and uh the fight scenes, all that stuff like you get so much more of that stuff and that's i don't know that's probably like the third act i would say like the third act is really just kick ass yeah it's it's funny because as a as a zombie movie we have sort of a preconception of what a zombie movie should be where zombies are the main antagonist but what i'd like to tell people is like Zombies are a threat in this movie in the same way that the Italians are a threat in World War II. That, yes, they're they're there, but there are other things that the hero has to focus on most of the time, and he's fighting on multiple fronts. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a thing that people don't even realize about American zombie movies. Like like you said, people have this this notion that zombies are the main antagonists in zombie movies. Um, th- those are usually the lesser zombie movies, you know, I mean, you get all the zombie movies that kind of defined the genre in the fir- in the first place, like the Romero movies and things. There's always a bigger antagonist than that, right? The, the zombies are just a more of an environmental hazard and there, there's always a more of a, a bad yeah. guy. Sure. Um, but uh yeah so that's when uh you get a lot a lot of the gore in here is also really well done again i don't know what like what their kind of effects budget was like but for a movie that's only ten thousand dollars like it it easily rivals stuff that we still see from huge productions today i would say i think so and i I mean i think a big part of that is just the the tactility of it right i mean a squib is always gonna look better than a yeah. cgi but stuff squib. like the the guy like the the head getting punched through or whatever like stuff like that still looks pretty sweet to this day i think yeah i wonder how much of that was um was kitamura and how much was sort of uh the the yudai yamaguchi influence because yamaguchi is much more of a sort of a 
generally speaking, a splatter guy, whereas Kitamura is more of what I think of like the, you know, very stylish everything yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think well uh, yeah I, I think most of it has aged pretty well. Uh, the the <laughs> I I think that the uh, the 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 girl getting like knocked out every time she says something, uh, I guess that is I guess annoying <laughs> to Taxekaguchi. I I think that might not have aged quite well, but also some of those parts are pretty funny, so I don't quite know how to judge them. Um, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I, I mean, I, th- this was the first time I'd seen it in, I don't know, a few years. Um, maybe my third or fourth time watching it in full, but uh, but no, I, I, thought, I think this movie's still pretty, it holds up pretty well. Like I said, I mean, I think I think it's a little long in the tooth at times, but I i mean, a lot of low-budget, like, kind of unrefined B-movies are. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this movie's still a blast. I would still show this to people, and Kevin obviously, like, makes people watch it, so. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um Do you, do you prefer the, uh, the original version or the, uh, the ultimate cut? version i have is the media blaster is two disc of the unrated version i've never seen the ultimate verses where he like added even more stuff i i can't imagine preferring that just because i kind of like i said i feel like the i feel like the regular a little too long but i would be curious about it like uh tom have you seen the ultimate verses no Okay, so Kevin, you being the only one that has seen it between the the three of us, like what, like what, what is that like? Like, and and which one do you prefer? I I actually tend to watch the the ultimate version. You know, it's it's an extra ten minutes long. There's a lot more action sequences. So if you are feeling uh, exhausted by the existing ac- action sequences, uh, that could be um, problematic, I suppose. Uh, you know, things like there's the three assassins that are that are introduced that the main antagonist guy. By the way, nobody in this movie has a name, so everybody kind of makes up their own names for them. So we probably understand who we're talking about at any given time. But Hideo Sakaki is who I'm talking about. <laughs> so he has these three um, three uh, assassins that he he sends in to kind of uh, take out the existing yakuza who are who are planning a coup against him. Uh, they get a, a much bigger entrance scene where they are fighting zombies, for an example. Um, they have a little bit more sort of back and forth. Um, there's also, you know, the ending of the movie is is much more the the whole fight sequence between um, KSC two three hundred three and and our antagonist are. It, it's a it's a lot longer. Uh, they do more crazy things like like they swap swords back and forth. Um, uh, there's some fixing on some of the, like like the color filters are a little bit different in the in the ultimate cut versus the uh, the original one. Um, little changes to to things like the music here and there. Also, it's um, the footage does you can kind of tell sometimes like oh this was this was filmed four years later, but 
if if that doesn't bother you, like I I can just kind of roll with it. Um, and some people don't notice it at all. So, hmm. Yeah, I, I'll probably watch that for the first time when I get the when the Arrow Blu-ray comes out. But interesting. Um, there's a little bit more comedy also. Like there's a if you if you look at a sword, there's this little kind of like trigger handle on it, and there's a bit where they just sort of like flicking it like what is this thing so um okay well well, i guess what do you guys make of the ending because the ending is is i don't know i i think the ending basically implies that they've like throughout history these two characters keep meeting and the ending is basically flipping them essentially right yeah and, and that wasn't planned. That was something that was improvised on the on the day of shooting that. Um, but it works um, because if you look at ninety nine years ago, our hero was like a great man of justice, as as they say. And in the current day, he is an escaped murderer who kind of kills the people that annoy him. So it makes sense that as like a progression of time in the next cycle down the road maybe he will be the outright villain of the piece Um, yeah and the girl even says something like i you should i i like what does he what does she say she says like you i should be on be on your side yeah yeah something Something like that yeah it's interesting that was improvised because like they they really set up like the futuristic setting and like the the gang members who are with Tex Akaguchi now, like, they all look kind of like, they look like, uh, kind of like disfigured and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it starts with this this miniature city that's just all bombed out, and uh, I guess the kind of sense is that this is this is the post-apocalypse, and and he's just like, okay, well, no reason not to open a portal to the to the dark place or whatever now. <laughs> yeah no it's it's a cool ending and i i wonder did, i wonder if they just thought that would be like a more interesting ending than just ending it with you know the okay the bad guy's dead and then they escape kind of thing yeah well definitely kind of like continuing that cycle because the movie starts off with this long sequence with the with the samurai who actually you think is going to be the protagonist at first. Like he has this long sequence where he's killing all these zombies and, and then he goes and just gets ganked immediately. And that's when, you know, talk walks on screen and, and you'd be like, Oh, I guess this is the real hero. Tom, have you watched the two uh, shorts nervous and nervous too? No. Oh, those are the ones about the, uh, the cops. They're pretty fun. Yeah. They're on. They're on. Yeah, they're on YouTube. And uh, Minoru Matsumoto's in one of them. Also, he's the. We called him the Weasley guy. He, the one with the amulet. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm assuming that you guys also like just made up names for everybody as as the movie was called. Yeah, I just the something guy yeah. or uh, or like Tex Ekaguchi. I just call him. Ta- I just call Tex Ekaguchi. <laughs> was this the first thing he was in? So that is an interesting story. Um, because it's it's literally an interesting story. Uh, there's there's the version of 
things that makes sense and is probably what really happened and then there's the version that they tell you so if you look at it it looks like tak sakaguchi was previously in yuda yuda yamaguchi's um short um that was included as part of a uh, snot rocket and super detective but the way that tak first told it and then ryo hikitamura started telling it that way after tak told it that way is Ryohei Kitamura was walking through the street wondering who he should cast in his movie, and he saw this guy fighting two other guys in a street fight. And uh and and sort of he he jumped in to help this guy and then he told him, like, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't use your fists for violence, you should use them for art. And at that point, Tak Sakaguchi said, I will trust you with my life. And uh <laughs> this is this is Almost definitely bullshit, but I love it. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I I want like I I want like the the Tim Burton's Ed Wood version of the making of Versus. Yeah, uh, because there's there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happened during the during the whole filming. Like there's things that did happen where like. At one point, Sakaguchi like tried to cock a gun with his teeth, and of course, he ripped one of his teeth out doing that. And instead of going to the dentist, he glued it back in. <laughs> Which, I mean, <laughs> things like that are just like, Ugh, that's that's a crazy little anecdote. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't dig into behind the scenes stuff too much. The the knife um, fighting, they were probably should real have. knives because they were like, well, fake knives look fake, so let's just use real ones. <laughs> <laughs> and Takasakaguchi were just like both crazy people, so they just went for it. Which I mean, kudos like to both of them for like having prolific acting careers after this because they're fantastic. Yeah, one of the disappointing things about Final War is is uh, not enough Takasakaguchi. Kitamura is very good at, at least back in these days of like he he reuses this cast a lot they they show up in most of his oh, yeah. his japanese movies um for for a few years i guess uh hideo kojima the metal gear solid guy was an extra in this yeah they're they're close friends so um yeah, I know. I know Kitamura did what cutscenes for one of those games. Yeah, for Twin Snakes. Um. Uh, it, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so uh, it's there's there's some Godzilla stuff in um, uh, Metal Gear Solid Three also that's kind of coming out of that, and then there's the whole connection with the concept art for for Final Wars and things like that. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Um, uh, on uh, the uh, the postmortem podcast, uh, Mick Garris's podcast, Kitamura was on there, and he said most of the most of the money, uh, most of the budget was used for like catering, <laughs> like getting food for people <laughs> for the cast and crew and stuff. Well, they they were originally planning for it to only be like a couple of days of shooting, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer so i can kind of see how yeah. that 
started yeah, to lose budget. It was supposed to be like a under a month shoot, and it went seven seven or eight months. Um, so yeah, I could see how the budget was basically all spent on you know probably things like transportation and uh, and film stock, you know, like. Um, versus versus any anything else like everything everything else was probably you know begged borrowed stolen uh made by <laughs> you know just know-how and things like that right versus anything that they kind of spent any money on um i mean it costs 10 grand costs more than 10 grand just to like live for seven months so <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know how they took seven months to make a movie and and only spent 10 grand yeah the the and then i also uh for years like we talked to <laughs> kevin joked earlier you know kitamura is a director with lots of false starts but yeah for years it's been a few years since i've heard anything but for years like I know he talked about doing a versus two in Japan, and then at one point, someone here had the remake rights to re- do a, an American remake that he was going to do, like Kitamura himself was going to do, and I think at some point, I think the, the American remake would have been like in the same universe or a sequel of some sort to the Japanese version, but none of these, like the se- sequel, remake, whatever, like none of it happened for, I don't know why none, none of those happened, but... Um, but, or or if they will, I I don't know. I feel like the ship has probably sailed on those. Yeah, I mean the heyday of its popularity. I mean unless unless the Arrow thing really like gets a lot more eyes on it right now, I don't I don't see. I, I think that you know the Kitamura's boom time is is kind of past there. I mean it's, especially since he was talking yeah. about making verses two. Like I, I think the last thing I heard about it was maybe ten years ago. Um, but. I, I know he was when he first came to the to Hollywood. He was kind of like trying to find projects, and it was actually Samuel L. Jackson that that sort of pushed him pushed him through because I guess they met at a party or something. Because yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I guess he met him and he was telling him he was like a big versus fan. So I think I I think Samuel L. Jackson got him like his U.S. agent or whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it was around when Midnight Meat Train came out that, you know, Bo- Kitamura was talking about both the the American remake and the sequel, and yeah, I don't know that there's been anything since then. I don't think there has. Um, but uh, regardless, no, this this movie was... The whole sequel like, and everything, that was always... I, I was always so confused about that, right? Like, because I, I came to this movie and I was like, oh, versus, and then like... Then I heard kind of much later about ultimate verses and all and like going back and filming scenes for the movie. Like and I was like, wait, is that the sequel? Like I, I always was 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 very confused about all of that for, for, for a while. Um kind of worked itself out right to where I, I get it now. But like, yeah, I remember when I first came to this being like being like wait a minute there's there's another version or a remake or what the hell you know because i feel like cabin fever is like another movie like that that's like very much the same where there's like five versions of it and there's already a remake and stuff like that and you're like just what's the movie (laughs) 
<laughs> what I've never actually watched is the R-rated cut, which is I, I think. I haven't which. either. Who wants? Yeah, who wants to watch that? Well, I, it was made because <laughs> Blockbuster is full of prudes, I guess. So. Uh, yeah. So they had to make cuts, pro- probably mostly gore. Yeah, I, I imagine so. I mean, because uh, there's not much along the lines of, of sexuality in it. You know, the we get we get an almost kiss between two of the Yakuza members and a little bit of groping of uh, of our main villain uh, on one of his would-be assassins. So, yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I never I, bothered I with earlier. that earlier. It was. They were there to assassinate him, not to assassinate the other members. Uh, sorry, it's late at night. <laughs> yeah, and and we're we're in the middle of a, a hellish ele- election cycle. So, <laughs> um, so you know what? The plot doesn't matter because trench coats and bullets and swordplay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I remember, I mean, this was, all, like, I heard about this movie way before I saw it, you know, I I just remember this being a, a hot title, and, I mean, everyone vying for it, I, you know, um, I, Don May told me that Synapse almost had it at one point, and Media Blasters, when they were, like, a, a real company, <laughs> ended up getting it, um, and now it's with Arrow, but... Yeah, no, uh, I, I think Versus holds up, and so, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think we, we're good to wrap on Versus. I think the next couple movies we probably won't talk about as much, but, um, like, where are you guys, 20 years later, which is insane and making me feel old, um, where, where do you guys, uh, go on, on Versus? How many, um, oh, wow, there's a lot you could do for this. How many, uh... How many cops that just want their hands back do you give verses out of out of five? I'm at four. I'm a solid four out of five. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I'm going to go with four as well. Um, like I said, I, I think it takes a little too long to get going, but like once it does, it's just it, it's such a good time. I mean, uh, this is a really super fun movie. So. Um, Kevin, I have a feeling I know yours. Where, where are you on, on Versus? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with a strong 5 out of 5. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one coming. Um, no, Versus is a lot of fun. Um, so we're, we're just going to keep the train rolling to his next two feature films. Um, the next one is 2003's Aragami, um, which is... Probably a little bit lighter on the horror elements than Versus, um, but essentially uh, this is. Um, I'm gonna defer to Kevin a little bit to just to kind of fact check me a bit. Um, this base. This is another one that was super cheap, low budget, and uh, essentially it was something from something called the Dual Film Project, um, yeah. in which a guy. Uh, Yukahiko uh, uh, Sutsumi and Ruhei Kitamura um, were the two directors, uh, um, right? Yeah, yeah. On this, they were challenged, and they were challenged. Yeah, to they make were a battle. Movie. Ch- yeah, they they were each challenged by a producer Shinya Kawai um, to create a feature 
length movie that would basically consist of a, a, a battle with two actors in one setting, um, and they can only f- they they have one week to film it. Um, I haven't seen the other half of this, so I don't. I mean, whatever. Um, I, has anyone? I never hear about uh, this other one called Two yeah. LDK. Yeah, I got a DVD release here. It's it's okay. I was surprised by how good it was when I saw it because I kind of was expecting that Aragami would have curb stomped it, but no, it's it's solid. It's you know it's, okay. it's set in a um, you know a small like it's basically about two roommates in a in a, in a condo that <laughs> just start to take each other off until they have a have a fight to the death. Okay, so one week to film, two lead actors, one setting, and it has to be about the two of them dueling. Those are the parameters here. Um, so the uh, the story that Kitamura and uh, his screenwriter Ryuchi Takatsu cook up is uh, kind of a variation on the old dark house kind of trope that you see in, well, old dark house, but also, you know, any, any kind of stranded stranger, you know, oh, stay here overnight kind of, kind of story. So you have these two samurai... Um, that take refuge in a temple in the middle of a storm. And uh, it's where uh, the swordsman lives, and he has a young woman who's like his assistant or whatever. Um, And then one of the samurai wakes up, um, and his friend is dead, and he's all healed up, and... Then we're treated to a lot of back-and-forth conversation between these two characters, um, and it turns out that the swordsman is actually an ancient uh, Taguchi. Taguchi? Oh my god, it really is messed up here. Taguchi is a special effects guy that does Ultraman stuff. Uh, (laughs) A Tengu. I don't know how I did that. Jesus Christ. That's impressive. Yeah, no, that just shows how shattered my brain is. I took today off, too, because I knew the election stuff was going to be a shit show, and my brain is still mush. But anyway, so he he is a a Tengu, uh, which that kind of dips us a little bit into yokai territory. I'll defer to the more knowledgeable Kevin to kind of uh, uh, give us a little detour to explain what exactly a Tengu is. Uh, So Tengu are kind of like a high-ranking godlike uh types of yokai that tend to live high in mountaintops and um you know there's there's two types of them but the type that i guess this is supposed to be more uh referencing is you think of the the ones with the very long noses uh so like in great yokai war you have the the one with the the green face and the very long nose and and the wings so that's kind mm-hmm. of like the the mental image and it's just the idea that it's you know, not quite a full god, but sort of along those lines, and they kind of uh, are make make trouble for for human uh, passers through. Uh, yeah, I think that sometimes they show up as like bird creatures. Right? Yeah, that's that's a uh, uh, crow tengu. So there's sort of two yeah. subspecies, I guess. Is that, is that the 
proper yeah. term for mythological beings. Right, yeah. Sea Power Rangers of the movie. They they get they have this. <laughs> um, they, they so uh, uh that, and that's a uh, unfortunate. <laughs> Do they? I don't re- I jeez, I don't remember I don't remember that. Um but anyway, so uh so he uh he and the 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 last act of the movie like this is a short movie so like the last like 30 minutes is uh is basically the them fighting um this is another one that i like this one and alive which we're talking about next story is more that like it's a little bit more like i saved your life because I thought felt you were worthy, like I felt you would be a worthy warrior. I want, I want to die. Right? Yeah, I guess the only way that a Tengu can die in, I don't know how true it is in like folklore, but at least in this movie is to be defeated by a worthy opponent. Like that, he can't kill himself. Right. Like someone has to be worthy and defeat him in a battle, and they like they can't cheat or lose on purpose. And so, yeah, that's what sets up this fight, is that this Tengu is just like, I'm, I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's what sets up their, their battle. Um, He's tired of and, uh, bullshit, and he just wants to die. Yeah, 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 like... <laughs> <laughs> like like us <laughs> right um so the uh the that that sets up the battle and then um this is where like i only watched i've only seen this movie once for the for the podcast so this is where i might have to rely on on other people is it am i insane or did he i'll just ask how did he end up being healed oh he uh the the tangu the aragami um this this ancient sword he fed his friend to him okay i was gonna say that but then i was thinking like if that's wrong i'm gonna sound completely out of my no, mind no, and and then the guy the the, the main character who's, who's i can't remember his name he does but he's he's like uh so if you eat people you're healed like that seems kind of crazy that that has never like happened before in the history of, you know, people having cannibalized each other. And, you know, the, the, the origami is like, no, 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 it's, it's not just, uh, it's not just eating people. Like you have to know how to prepare them specially. <laughs> there's, there's special um, way to prepare a person that makes their body, their body heal yours. Yeah. So there we have, you know, some more of the horror elements, uh, uh, coming in, um, but yeah, and then they they fight for thirty minutes, and uh, I guess spoiler alert, I, I guess the uh, the thing that the Tengu didn't tell him is that uh, by the one the samurai killing him, he now becomes the new Aragami, and so now he's stuck as just like the new one, I guess. Right? Am I getting that right? No. That's- yeah, it, it's like similarly with verses. It's like an ending of like this is part of a bigger cycle, and it's on and on and on it goes. Yeah, and then that's when we have a, a cameo from Tak Sakaguchi. Is he's the he's the one that's going to challenge him in a battle. Um, so yeah, I mean, right there we're we're seeing like kind of at least in these early works, Kitamura having a, a these these themes of reincarnation and 
you know cyclical um like i guess and, and the movie starts uh, events with a, with a cameo from hideo sakaki who is the samurai that dies and has his liver eaten so yeah yeah um but yeah, that I mean, again, this is very straightforward. That you know, it's not as as crazy as 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 verses. This one's only uh, an hour and uh, eighteen minutes. Again, this one's on his YouTube channel too, along with the making of thing. Um, so yeah, there, there's not really as much to say about this one. But uh, yeah, how did how did you guys feel about there's not it? Not like a lot of meat to the story i guess right when you say basically this is a story about two guys who fight and one is an ancient god and you know wants to die and the only way to die is to be defeated by a greater warrior but there's a lot of really really cool world building and playing with the the time period right because this this takes place during um is it during like the 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 war to like unite Japan essentially, right? Like that time period. Um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, so like these these this is you know in the in the teen hundreds somewhere, right? So like there's there's all these really cool little flourishes of of the the origami being like here, try this drink. It's it's not sake. It's something uh called vodka you know and like this character getting drunk on vodka for the first time ever in his life and um you know just this the the really cool scene where he lays out all the um all the the weapons and he's like pick which weapon you know you want to fight me with you could pick whatever you want and like as he's going along each one you know this 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 guy being like oh if you you know a gun can't kill me right so you might not want to pick that one and uh like there's there's other things in there he's like what this one do you even know how to use that one what are you crazy like there's all kinds of cool little flourishes and moments like that that i really really liked um there, there's other cool things with like you know even though it's like basically in one setting i feel like the statue that's in the background of them kind of changes its appearance just based on like the mood of the moment almost um there the, it's it's a lot of fun and it, and it's brisk so it never it never wears out its welcome even though it it basically is all just about this one duel i i really like the uh <laughs> the the reveal of who the who the origami is where they're they're just sort of sitting around and like oh yeah i fought a bunch of guys and then i got a big name for myself and then it was harder and harder and it's like what what, what was your name like oh yeah it's, it's Masashi miyamoto and like <laughs> i just like well i'm screwed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a pretty fun movie. Interestingly, I I didn't find the action itself to be quite as good as Versus. I don't know why necessarily. Have to film it in a week. Well, yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I I think it's a, a fun movie, and I like the I do like the like banter and the back and forth between the the characters. Because I mean, like the first. 40 minutes or so is just talking but it's always like 
it's always interesting. There's a lot of really cool acting flourishes. Like I said, you know, like when he's when he's trying to pick out the weapons and and uh, and the, the origami is just like he's like rolling his eyes. Like, do you even know how to use that one? Like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, it's uh, it's got these cool like performance performance moments. It's 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 uh, it's yeah, it's just a lot of fun um, for something that's that's so short and just kind of made on the fly yeah yeah this is like super like roger corman school of filmmaking and uh yeah i i, I think they pulled it off um and then it teases but, it uh, teases a movie that i would also kind of like to see at the end like because base you know basically at the end of this What's teased is that the this this the, the main character now has been the origami for so long that like it's not the the it's the future right it's it's sometime in the in the near future but like the guns and weapons that Takaguchi brings to the table are not they're 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 somewhat futuristic in appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else there is to really say about this one. Again, like it's just so to the point. Uh but you know, that's not a bad thing. So I don't know. Uh what's the deal uh, with the with how, the woman? Is that something a question. from anything? Kevin, is that a thing? What what's up with that? Uh I mean it just seems that she's there to facilitate this kind of like cycle of um of of transferring this this duty of guarding the temple or whatever it is from from one origami to the next as as they look for successors by getting other people to kill them. I mean that's my interpretation of it. I mean it, it was kind of because uh, of the constraints of the movie is that the movies were supposed to have two and a half characters that she was the half character in this movie. <laughs> So she, yeah, she so she's kind of like I don't know, she's cuz she's got to be immortal too, right? Yeah, for for sure because, you know. So she's Okay, so age. she's some kind of like yeah. All right. Well, she's um, played by a Kitamura regular. If you're a, you know, Final Wars fan, you'll recognize her as one of the Exilians. Um Did, did you Is she the one Don Fry karate chops? Yeah, he doesn't karate chop her, doesn't he? Doesn't he slap her? No, it's no. He's gonna slap her, and then he karate chops her. Oh, that's right. Did Did you recognize the uh, the the origami himself from his Godzilla movie appearance? No. He's uh he's uh the the tanker in the nineteen ninety eight film. He is uh <laughs> on that boat, so. <laughs> so uh so one of the guys on the boat in the 98 godzilla uh is uh the origami <laughs> interesting i would not know i i no i did not know that <laughs> um you didn't have it on the watch list but um the actress in this also stars in the messenger did it, did you re- revisit that at all, or have you seen that at all? 
Uh, I did watch The Messenger. Well, well, we can talk about The Messenger for like two minutes. But uh, how many, um, how many of uh, eating your friend, how how many livers of your friends that you eat <laughs> do you give origami out of five? Three and a half. I'm going to go at three and a half, too. Be- because of the constraints and sort of knowing the whole story about how the movie came about, like normally I would go for three and a half, but I'm going to go ahead and bump it up to a, to a four. Um, drinks from France we call wine that we uh, can wash down that liquor with. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the messengers is like a... Uh, the messenger is part of uh, this jam film's thing which was like an anthology produced by sega uh and yeah kitamura did it's like a ghost story kind of right i watched it and i i my memory of it is like slipped slipped away pretty it's basically all these all these uh yakuza people who get together to kill each other and uh in in like a you know a gang war and the 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 messenger is going around kind of telling everyone like yeah you already died like you guys have been doing this every night over and over for however long cause, but you're already dead and she kind of is just helping them to move to the other side and, and quit murdering each other every single night yeah I remember it being like it's stylish and interesting it's, and neat I would I mean yeah it's super short if you're too, poking around like 12 on Kitamura's YouTube channel and watching everything else that's already on there it's it'd take you 14 minutes and you'll be like oh that was neat yeah yeah i, I um, can say like just check out jam films because like um george Ida has a short in that that's that's pretty good there's a there's a pretty amusing one uh called justice um there's there's one that's like a documentary about uh dating customs in japan that's like a like an edu- educational film like there's a lot of cool stuff in the in the whole jam films uh anthology so um you know the messenger is the first one but like don't don't stop there just keep keep it up um again it's late and election stress and everything else stress uh, I actually went a little bit out of order because after Versus is Alive and then Aragami. Yep. So let's go backwards one year to Alive. Was that their release? Um, that was not their release order, though. It goes Versus, Alive, Aragami. Aragami was released in March of 2003, and Alive was released in uh, June of 2003. Okay, yeah, it had its first festival. Uh, Toronto International Film Festival is where it had its premiere, which is September 2002. Okay, so technically I didn't mess up. So I like that version more. Um, so Alive is uh, in production order, I guess, the second uh, film of, of Kitamura. And uh, part of the reason he did it is he didn't want to get pigeonholed into making just zombie kind of movies. Um, and this one's a, a little bit more of a sci-fi horror sort of story based on a manga. Oh, I said manga. I mean manga. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Um, <laughs> uh, also called Alive. Um, 
So, yeah, mangoes. Uh, so Kevin uh, has read the mango, so I'm going to kind of let him lead off and kind of tell us what, what, what this... Uh, what the manga is all about i guess yeah it was by uh, tsutomu takahashi who also uh did sky high which uh kitamura later did as a movie and and also as a tv series with uh, shusuke kaneko um but you know basically the, the the premise of alive is that you have this guy that is an author who is on death row and he is sort of given a an option of hey, we could execute you or we could take you to a special place and do experiments on you and uh, which way you're going to have it. And he says, well, I think I don't want to die right now, so let's have at it with the experiments. And he's taken down to a sort of strange holding cell with an, another death row inmate and they are sort of given their anything that they want in terms of you know alcohol or food or or whatever but they just sort of sit in the room for a long period of time eventually a window opens and there's a there's a woman behind it and that is sort of a an instigating event that drives the two men to to get into some some competition um one of the men goes over and uh and actually dies and and at this point we find out that the woman is is possessed by some sort of life form and, and the purpose of the experiment was to get the life form to jump from her into one of the death row inmates uh it goes into our main character he is uh able to control it to some extent and he, he sort of talks it over with a scientist they say like hey the goal was to get it into you but like you can't let this thing get out into the world and he uh he makes his decision. I won't give away the ending, but it's it's not a very complicated story, all things considered. Though the movie takes two hours. <laughs> what and uh, what's the name of the? I guess the thing that is possessing the, the that they're trying to transfer into into one of the prisoners. They were calling it an isomer, I think. Yeah, the isomer. Yeah, yeah. So how close does that ma- manga, ad- how close does the movie adhere to what's in there? The movie basically follows it. The thing is, the movie adds a bunch of stuff. So, like, in in the manga, he's a death row inmate, and they call him into an office, and they give him this deal. In the, uh, in the movie version, it's, they put him in the electric chair and then they fake him out as like a fake electrocution shock to see if he's strong enough to resist it. And then they decide that, oh, he he didn't actually die. That means he's he's a strong enough murderer or whatever that he can be eligible for this project. So that's sort of. Yeah, well, isn't it like the isn't the, the, the with the two prisoners, it's like they chose the two toughest guys and whoever is going to be the one that like is stronger that basically who eventually the one of them will kill the other one and that person is who the isomer will choose to to enter right yeah whoever has the strongest i guess desire for violence or something along those lines yeah that's the way yeah so that's why they 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 keep like well yeah most of the movie isn't isn't it them like they just keep like doing things to like see if they'll like 
Yeah, so they're like... Who's gonna, like, get the matted in... Like, who's gonna be more violent? They, they'll, like, raise the temperature in their cell to, like, keep them from sleeping and things like that, just to try to get them to be on edge. Yeah, to see which one yeah, is yeah, the, harboring more hatred or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and then... Um, and, in, and in true, you know, this type of story fashion, it's it's not the one who's more boisterous, you know? I mean, uh, it's, it's not the one who, right from the get-go, is like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill everyone. It's the, it's the quiet one, you know? Like... Um, but what what I thought was was interesting when when I watched this is, if you were to only watch uh, this and Versus before seeing uh, Final Wars, you would have a lot of the the um, a lot of the kind of structure and the, the 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 style and some of the substance of that movie kind of you'd see the the genesis of it right you know from versus you get a lot of the style a lot of the the random sword play like don fry carries around a samurai sword in final wars for like absolutely no reason there's a lot of cool other trench coats for absolutely no reason and stuff like that and then from this you'd get all the chosen one and he can control his his uh, his thing that the other person people can't because he's like the special, uh, you know. Here it's it's just his 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 ability to kind of control and bond with the isomer and Final Wars. It's being a Kaiser or whatever the hell that means. Like you see a lot of the the, the genesis of that movie in kind of those two movies, right? Um, that that's what I found kind of most interesting about watching Alive was recognizing sort of some of the some of the dna of of what what i see in final wars um yeah i i i think that makes sense and and the movie's much more ramped up as like an as an action movie compared to the source material which i think is very you know kitamura because he you know he gave the the yakuza from from versus basically an extended cameo as a security team that is sent to prevent the guy from escaping which is something that basically happens off off screen in the manga and then there's this whole plot that's added where tak sakaguchi is some like perfect life form clone thing that is not in the source material at all and it's just added for a, a big fight sequence so um oh that whole thing so that that's in there? yeah <laughs> That's uh, that's where my memory is probably failing me the most with this movie. Is Tak Sekiguchi is this creature called Zeros? What? Someone refresh my memory. Just what even that was? He's like another isomer that they then they did something. Yeah. So they, <laughs> I guess they they found a host and they merged them and then they cloned them in order to create a perfect weapon thing or something along those lines and the idea was that our main character played by Hideo Sakaki here is is intended only as a as a test to show off the power of Tak Sakaguchi's character okay. and all of that was concocted for the movie <laughs> so he so he wins and he he gets the isomer transferred to him 
And then they use that as uh, an excuse to show off this Tech Sakaguchi character. Yeah. Is which, that right? The okay. Isomer's also an alien in this version, which was not in, in the original either, so, you know. <laughs> um, it's, like the, it's, it's like that whole, you know, um, I mean, the, the movie's much later than this, but, you know, the Logan... Right, Weapon X versus uh, the, the the clone of himself thing, right? Like, it's it's that whole idea of like one was one the the, the, the you know the main character in this is he's kind of a an accident, like a fluke, like you know he happened to be stronger and he happened to be a bond for the isomer or whatever, and the other one was designed to be that way huh um and before all that the other thing they do that we should mention is like the the girl that has the isomer in her first she's like she starts saying like oh whoever can whoever if you two fight whoever wins can have sex with me and that's like a big thing for the 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 other guy the more uh, obnoxious guy to like start acting crazy yeah and it's a big thing for our main character because the reason he's on death row is that he murdered a bunch of people who raped his girlfriend so he's very at one point doesn't she doesn't doesn't he see her in the form of his girlfriend yeah at some point yeah Yeah, sort of like a trippy it's kind of used as like a like an exposition flashback that like he's seeing her and and it kind of informs his backstory to the audience at the same time because it was basically a situation where like his girlfriend was raped so he killed all the rapists but she didn't want that and she just wanted him to be like nice to her instead so she hung herself (laughs) and then and then the police showed up and like hey you killed all these guys and also your girlfriend so yeah um yeah uh this is one did, kevin which version did you watch because there's a director's cut that's longer and then there's a shorter theatrical version uh i watched the director's cut so did i and i'm wondering if i shouldn't have done that <laughs> yeah um i did too and i also came away thinking boy i probably could and should have watched the theatrical cut and i bet it would have just streamlined everything a lot better right i mean yeah i i i is it 10 minutes longer 20 minutes longer it, it, either way i i do kind of feel like i probably should have watched the shorter version this is one where like it's like it just it's feels like eight it's, minutes it, actually it's like eight minutes at 30 oh, wow. seconds but still i mean some but depending on what's added back in i mean those eight minutes could make all the difference in the world you know pacing wise um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a just, lot of stuff of like them getting haircuts and like scientists <laughs> arguing with each other and things like that that like could have been trimmed easily. Yeah, I I think that's my biggest issue with this movie is that like I like the ideas, I like the general like story, and I like you know the cast and stuff, but it just like it takes way too long to get going. Like once it does get going and we get into like, they reveal the girl with the isomer in her, and, uh, like, you know, tension is ramped up a good deal. Like, 
from there it's pretty solid but it before that it it takes like at least like an hour to get there and it doesn't it just doesn't need to because it just feels like it's kind of repeating the same motions over and over and over yeah yeah the first like 15 or 20 minutes when you kind of really no idea what's going on those are all like that's all i think you know pretty good and interesting right i mean you're sitting there you know wondering hey they just offered this guy either death or you know you get to go into this experiment but we're not going to tell you what it is like and he chooses that obviously otherwise there's there's no movie um but like you're you're waiting you're like oh what's what's the you know there's some other shoe is gonna drop at some point and you're kind of waiting for that and then it it takes like 40 45 minutes for it to even start suggesting what that other shoe is gonna be and that's the part that's like you're like Ugh, this is a little much uh it's a little a yeah. little this repetitious and stuff and 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 yeah, it's it's uh, it's again. You know, I mentioned it at the at the outset of like Kitamura is not at his best when he's taking things at you know very much face value, and I think this movie is is just a little too straightforward. It does, there's not enough. Yeah, like, it doesn't have it doesn't have a lot of like there. It really doesn't have that tongue in cheek kind of self awareness that verses and you know final wars and stuff. Has even, it, this even one like is, we said, Aragami has those moments of like, you know, different tasting different alcohols and picking out the weapons and things that are you know more fun and 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 uh, this doesn't really have like any of that. Yeah, um, June Kunimura is here, which I don't even know if if that's worth mentioning because he's in everything, but <laughs> you know he's in Final Wars and he's in Shin Godzilla, so. It's worth pointing out, but he's also in, he's also in everything. He's, he's um, yeah, one of those people that you watch a, a Japanese cult movie. There's like a fifty-fifty shot he's in it. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's one of those guys. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we've kind of uh, uh, talked through this one um, enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're all in kind of agreement uh, on this one. Just. You know, if it didn't take so long to get going, it probably wouldn't wouldn't be uh, you know as I guess uh, much of a chore sometimes. So um, I'm seeing here uh, that the the producers uh, wanted Kitamura to make uh, Versus Two, and he declined it and uh, proposed to do this instead because. He didn't want to get, like, pigeonholed. So, I don't know, some of that, like, this not being, like, being, like, the anti-verses in a lot of ways kind of does make sense in that regard, but, but then um, there's, there's so anyway. There's for, like, you know, like, oh, we can't have our characters wearing prison clothes in a prison. They have to wear, like, long leather jackets, and you're like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, so how many uh, random Taksekaguchi monsters do you give this out of five? I'm pretty solidly out of three. You know, I mean, um, uh, could it maybe go lower and down to a two and a half if I were to someday revisit it and watch the theatrical cut and not find it particularly better in terms of its pacing? Yeah, it could 
Um, could it go much higher than a three? I, I kind of don't think so. But like, I would say again, you know, I mean, if you're if you're poking around on Kitamura's uh, YouTube and he's got so many of his movies on there and everything, this is one that I would throw it on and throw on the theatrical cut maybe and and see see how it grabs you. There's there's a lot of really good ideas. And it's not even that they're necessarily poorly executed. It's just that it takes a while for them to, to execute them well. So um, I'm at a three. It's it's uh, it's interesting and, 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 and it'll pull you through to the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm also at a three. You know, it's it's not um, not his strongest work but it's also it's an adaptation and with that there's always going to be a little bit of of growing pains and as an adaptation of manga this is something that is well suited for it um could the whole thing been done in an hour yes but uh yeah and then we wouldn't have had a cool shootout or, or attack Sakaguchi monster. So yeah, uh, I, I'm actually okay with some of these additions. So yeah, three. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up with a 2004 Did you short give film. it a rating there, Bird? Oh, did I? Well, I give it a three. We're all on the same page with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're ra- going to wrap up with a 2004 short called Longinus, which is uh, its own sort of, I guess, I don't know, would you call these vampires? Yeah. Was, yeah, vampire story. Um, I'm not sure. Was it, What was this made for? Or this was this just like... a video uh, thing. It's kind of a vanity project for Buck Tick. Because um, the main... That's like the lead. That's like a. Uh, is that a singer or like an idol? It, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a band. Um, but the the lead singer was the main character in this, and the okay. their music was used. And um, so this would be like if someone made like a a promotional short film for like one of the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> like starring yeah. as a <laughs> okay, and if, if, if um, you look at, at you know as an anime guy, when I think of uh, musicians, I think like what have they done music for? Buck Tick has done music for Nightwalker, Trinity Blood, and Shiki, and all of those are anime about vampires. So okay, <laughs> well these guys these guys seem to like vampires a lot. Um, this is another one where, like, I watched this back in like early September, so my my old man memory isn't isn't doing me any favors here. Um, there's there's not a whole ton to this one, right? I mean, it's there's a it's a mil- well, yeah, Tom. Uh, what, yeah, you give us the rundown here. It's a military hospital, which I mean is hilarious because there's like three people that work there, um, <laughs> and none of them are doctors. Although they do they do bring that in as part of the story almost right this this is a military hospital that's getting ready to be shut down um so it's it's running on on fumes at this point um and a group of soldiers comes into this military hospital and one of their people is is wounded and they've got a big box with them and um you know they're 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 scared or whatever and um 
then suddenly a bunch of very vampire looking people show up <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and, a, and an edit and a kind of weird looking guy. And he starts telling them about this story of the, the Lance of Longinus, which, um, if you, you know, your, your Christian mythology or, uh, stuff like that at all, it's the spear that was used to pierce the side of Jesus as he hung on the cross during his crucifixion. So, uh, if you're not familiar at all while, while, with that, while Jesus was being crucified, um, they had to kind of hurry things along a little bit because it was uh, approaching the Sabbath, and you like weren't allowed to kill people on the Sabbath, and especially um, it was supposed to be the start of a Jewish uh, holidays, you know. So it was like you're not supposed to be crucifying people, really. Um, so in order to kind of speed up the process and make sure that he was he was dead. Uh, a Roman soldier stabbed him in the side with a lance, um, and uh, that lance then is the the lance or the spear of Longinus. Um, and it's uh, you know in this it is given the fantastical power of being able to murder vampires. It's it's, it's because it's holy and because it's cleansed, it can kill vampires. And so basically then. What we have is this uh, this this sort of strange guy and some of the soldiers trying to to keep the 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 spear from getting into the hands of vampires, and that's really the the, the entire uh, conflict is trying to get the spear or not get the spear and vampires versus people. Yeah, and you'll notice a lot of the same, you know. Uh, a lot of the the Kitamura cast is 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 back again, right? You've got our uh, um, our girl from from Final Wars is back again. Um, yeah, Hideo Sakaki's in it, and it's it's a it's a typical Kitamura thing, right? Um, it's it's very very stylish. Uh, more style than substance, but um, you know, in in this case, with it being like thirty six minutes long, um, that never really wears out its welcome. It's just it's kind of like a mood piece almost, right? Of just, uh, hey, what if vampires existed? And you know, the 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 main kind of uh, conflict point was the the spear of Longinus. It's almost kind of like a like it feels like a pitch like a like here's something you could make into a feature. Yeah, it has yeah. that it has that feel to it of like, yeah. Here's here's this short I made. Wanna someone want to give me you know, hundred thousand dollars or whatever to make like a movie out of this? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, they, they and then they they try to. There's like a little bit of a mutiny between, like the soldiers and the people from the hospital, right? Yeah, it's that that kind of um, just give them what they want and they'll go away kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to remember how it ends. Well, the the human characters basically all 
die before the vampires even show up um or the most of the vampires show up because you know one of them when they came in she was bitten and then she turns into a vampire and then it's this sort of tense like oh is anyone can anyone be trusted and then they all shoot each other and then the actual vampires show up so uh it's you know, our, our well, it, it turns out that the the stranger or whatever uh, is also a vampire. Yeah. And uh, and I I remember like he fights the the when the vampires do show up, that's when like they kind of get into a into a tussle. Yeah, I mean a, a general theme across all of Kitamura's stuff is that you don't really have heroes. You have kind of morally gray characters that fight villains. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I remember and and I remember it kind of ends with, uh, like she ends up bringing him back. I think, right? Like I remember it, like it ends in the hospital and, and she kind of, I, the, at least the interpretation I had was that she was gonna like recruit him to to help like get rid of the other vampires. So like he would be almost like a I don't know like Blade, <laughs> you know? Like he he would he would like join the battle against the vampires even though he's a vampire. Yeah, something something along those lines. Um. In but yeah, like Tom said, it's it's very much like a. Like a pit, like well, both of you were saying, like it's a mood piece or like a pitch reel. Yeah, and it's it, interestingly in the, uh, the the YouTube description of it, um, <laughs> Kitamura's you know own description says that here's this short film about vampires and the spear of Longinus, one of my personal favorites. Okay. Um, so for what that's worth, um, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I, I do think it's, it's interesting and it's fun. And, you know, like I said before, like that, it's so much more style than substance, um, with something that's kind of this short, it, it does not work against it. Like it sometimes can, um, it does seem like another thing, like where I would totally watch, like, a sequel movie for it, because, like, the spear can bring, can, like, heal people, so that's how she brings him back, and she's like, yeah, like, he's like, why'd you bring me back? And she's like, uh, you know, life is worth living, even though, like, there's this vampire (laughs) apocalypse or whatever. So, like, I would watch, like, a continued story there. Or a fully fleshed out version, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a there's a lot in the sort of background of this, right? They're like they say that there's like some huge war that's going on that's like the covered the entire world in despair, and like we don't have any idea who the two sides that are fighting against each other are, and um, you know this this military hospital that they arrive in, like I said, is it's like it's like two guys and a girl that are working there and like that's it none of them are doctors uh working at a at a hospital 
Well, it, um, it starts with uh, with the doctor actually pa- like passing away, and and that's why they were about to to close up. Was the like, oh, we have we have no doctors at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, but still, so like, there's you know, there's there's a lot of ideas here in in just thirty six minutes that that you could, you know, let's tease this part out a little longer. Let's tease that part a little longer. You know, let's let's get a budget back behind this thing and maybe do a, a bigger set piece or or two or something. And now you're talking about having like a an eighty minute fun tight movie instead of a thirty four minute pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for for I mean, I can't imagine this thing costing very much for for what it is. I mean, it's obviously very low budget, but I, you know, it it does have like a good solid atmosphere to it, um, and uh, you know, enough that I think you would be able to have interest in a, in a a longer version. So, how many um, how many vampire obsessed pop musicians do you give this out of five if you had i to. really dig the the atmosphere here um i think it it clips along um it, it falls a little short due to length it, it could have been it could have been like 10 minutes shorter actually um and and worked as just like a pure straight mood pace or 30 minutes longer it's kind of in a weird in-between length we've we've talked about a few movies like that in the past you know like uh gakidama and stuff like that that's like is this weird kind of not quite a short and not quite a full feature to be able to work but um I still think that a lot of the notions, you know, using the spear of Longinus to, to fight vampires, that is a really cool idea. And there's a lot of solid atmosphere and style. And the mood is, is gen- even though it's just purely mood-driven, the mood is generally good. I, I'm at a three. I, I, three out of five. I think it's fun. Okay. I would do three and a half. Kevin, where are you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, say maybe maybe three-ish uh it's it's one of the ones where like i wish there was a little bit more characterization um you know because we we have a little bit with with the the characters early on and then they all die and then more characters come in and it's kind of like a little bewildering um right uh so you know there's there's some corners that need to be rounded off um but uh you know good good action sequences get some uh you know all of these movies have have their own sense of style uh Mm -hmm. a similar sense of style across them but uh they're they're present throughout all of them um because this one was kind of came along a lot later than the others i was kind of like not as enthused with it when it when it did come out but um you know it's it's something i don't i like i, I wasn't bored out of my mind watching it uh, for the podcast again yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i'd agree with that like if this was if this was someone's like very first thing they ever did i think you'd be a lot more impressed by it right um, mm-hmm. but you know this is this is 
right before he gets Final Wars. Um, and and yeah. he's got several movies under his belt at this point. Um, one of which I've not seen, but is said by a lot of people to be like his best or one of his best, Azumi. Um, Azumi's really good, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, it kind of falls in that weird kind of in-between place Longinus does, but it, I mean, it's still... It's, get pretty much everything for me everything he kitamura did from let's just say 97 until 2004 and i would push 2008 because midnight meat train is awesome is is good um yeah mm-hmm. love death is one that i think uh needs to get released here because that movie's awesome um and always kind of gets overlooked because it wasn't part of the set that was brought to the states I've never seen it. How was his Lupin movie? Eh, that that one was, um, that that was a watch once sort of deal in in my book. Like it was, it had some some type of stuff, but it felt very, it felt very corporate as a, uh, because Lupin's this huge big property, and everybody wants everybody who works on Lupin to treat it like Hayao Miyazaki did basically so like he, mm-hmm. he gets a little bit of his own sort of style into it but it's it, it does feel kind of like when you know you get the get a hit indie director to take on the big franchise and it kind of winds up getting washed down a little bit does that <clears throat> okay. franchise yeah. even work as a live action thing it's been done twice as live action uh, the first was the Toho movie that I, I actually uh, I think that one double featured with Prophecies of Nostradamus when it came out. Um, <laughs> That's messed up, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we're we're pretty much done here. I I I want to throw out an honorable mention to a movie that uh, he produced, starring Tex Sakaguchi, directed by Yude uh, Yamaguchi, which is Battlefield Baseball. That movie is awesome. Uh, uh, it's a baseball, martial arts, uh, gory monster movie. It 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 defies description. Just watch <laughs> it and be amazed. Just let it's it take awesome. you away. It, 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 yeah, there was a sort of sequel called Dead Ball, which I didn't like as much, but. Uh, no, check check out Battlefield Baseball. Like, just do it. Samurai Zombie is another good one. He he wrote. He didn't direct it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, like it's available on DVD in the UK, and there are pirated copies floating around the internet that have bad subtitles that I think somebody just made <laughs> what they thought they were saying instead of actually translating. So, if you can get the UK disc, uh, that's that's worthwhile. But like. Be real careful about what you go about looking in this fan sub scene for that one. <clears throat> and and I think Sky High is good too. And uh, you know it's been it's been a long time since I've seen that one. Um, so maybe don't hold me to that if you end up seeing it and it's and it and it doesn't uh, meet with a favorable review or record or you know. But um, no, I, I I liked that one too, and I mean, like we said before, you can you can get down to hell, uh, 
Alive, Aragami, The Messenger, Longinus, and Sky High are all just sitting on his YouTube page. Um, yeah. Versus is not. I'm I'm guessing that it's probably got at least something to do with the Arrow release coming up. Um, that was on his YouTube page for a while, and and then it disappeared. Um, so, so yeah, that's think probably that, why. But if yeah. he's if he's got the rights to all of these movies, I kind of wonder if like maybe somebody could come along and do a box set. Uh, Final yeah, Wars no is not on there, and that's the the Toho of, of it all. I'm sure, well, obviously, no, yeah. like. That and Izumi and Lupin are all like big properties, so yeah. I expect them to. Um, all right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we're pretty much done here. But uh, yeah, don't believe the the haters, um, and check out some Kitamura movies for yourselves. Um, he's definitely not the person that <laughs> Godzilla fans have painted him to be. Um. And, uh, yeah, mi- uh, obviously Midnight Meat Train is a, a heavy recommendation as well. Yeah. So, I hope we um, get, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he maybe needs to go back to Japan, um, to make movies because the, <laughs> the, 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 some, something, uh, about doing a movie low budget in a short production time in Japan, just, seems to make stuff that's a little bit more inventive creative and and generally interesting than you know like stuff similarly budgeted and and timeline stuff here um for whatever reason um because like downrange is like fine and uh, by all accounts the doorman is really nothing special or interesting at all and i just you know he he i want to see him get back to the guy who even just the guy who made like longinus you know like get back to the guy who's who's good with mood and style um where you can watch something and go oh yeah that's that's kitamura um because i i enjoyed downrange for the most part but like it has almost none of that um it's it's a pretty flat like this is a solid little horror thriller movie by anyone, you know. Um, I'd like to see him get back to his sort of more signature style. And if he can do that, I, I think I'll be interested in, in his stuff moving forward. I, I'll probably skip the doorman, though, honestly. That's, that yeah. sounds reasonable. I mean, I, I think part of it is, you know... In Japan, he was working with people like Yuda Yamaguchi and Yuji Shimamura, and uh, well, I, I don't want to say that you know Jean Reno is a bad actor or Ruby Rose is a bad actor. It's just they don't bring the same uh, flair that some of the people that he was working with on his early movies do. Uh, and it's it's you know i maybe a bit of compatibility there that it's just not capturing the same you know magic that uh when when you get this like-minded group of individuals all collaborating on uh on all cylinders it uh, it's more than the sum of his parts yeah i think that makes sense but uh all right anyone uh anyone have anything to add we good here i'm good Hey, you know that uh, Jean-Luc Godard has a versus as one of his favorite movies? 
No, that's awesome though. Where are you seeing that? <laughs> uh, that is that is on the the versus Wikipedia page because um, in Godard included a clip from Versus in uh, this movie he made called uh, Our Our Music, and apparently just went on the record talking it up. Okay, so there you have it, people. If Jean Luc Godard, one of the master filmmakers, uh, you know the fr- one of the originators of the French New Wave, if he's good enough for Versus, then you are too. Okay. <laughs> I think that's as good of a note to go out on as anyone as as any. So, uh all right. Well, <laughs> thanks everyone and yeah, we'll uh talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.